to the Word we go, but to the Lord we go as well. And we rally around the Word tonight as God's people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, whether as visitors or as members here, uh, we pray that together we might know a blessing from you, from your Word, read to us, preached to us, as we respond to it, Lord, here and wherever we go, may it have its impact on our lives and others as uh, your word only can. And so we pray, Lord, that you'd hear us to that end. For Jesus' sake, as we seek the blessing of your spirit in his name, amen. We're going to be taking a look this evening at First John chapter 5 and read verses 1 through 12 there. And also continue our series out of the Belgian Confession, which we had to postpone last week because of the cold weather and the snowiness that way. And we are picking up again then tonight from Belgian Confession 22, at least Article 22, I should say, which is on page 79 in the hymnal. But before we go there, we're going to go to the Word of the Lord from 1 John chapter 5, and we'll read the first 12 verses there. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Here's what God's Word says. If everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and love and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. We take a moment, having read from God's Word, to respond to it, and looking at the Belgian Confession tonight, as I mentioned in Article 22, uh, as we hear uh, an elaboration about how God has manifested His justice and mercy in Christ back in Article 12, 20. We heard about the last time the satisfaction of Christ, our only high priest for us. Today we look at our justification through faith in Jesus Christ. And in that article we say this, we believe that to attain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts an upright faith. 
which embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits, appropriates him and seeks nothing more besides him. For it must needs follow either that all things which are requisite to our salvation are not in Jesus Christ, or if all things are in him, that then those who possess Jesus Christ through faith have complete salvation in him. Therefore, for any to assert that Christ is not sufficient, but that something more is required besides him, would be too gross a blasphemy. For hence it would follow that Christ was but half a savior. Therefore, we justly say with Paul that we are justified by faith alone, or by faith apart from works. However, to speak more clearly, we do not mean that faith itself justifies us, for it is only an instrument with which we embrace Christ our righteousness. But Jesus Christ, imputing to us all his merits and so many holy works which he has done for us and in our stead, is our righteousness. Faith is an instrument that keeps us in communion with him in all his benefits, which when they become ours, are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sin. We thank God for his truth. May it be a blessing to us to have them minister to us again this evening. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it is uh, in formal ways or in informal ways, one is often left with the impression in our world and in our culture that the true gospel, which is really a worldly gospel, is centered on the self, sufficiently, in fact. And there's a double-edged sword to that as we find life going on, because at the same time where people are, are being counseled to, to believe more in themselves or to esteem themselves sufficiently, you get people on the flip side who get all bent out of shape when people actually go about doing that. When they are seen as people whose lives are just all about them and people yell at them and scream at them and and are contemptuous and say, it's all about you, isn't it? It's all about you. Well, you can't win. Self-absorption and self-centeredness and selfishness and self-righteousness becomes this, this two-faced monster uh, that is viewed on the one hand as the answer to your problems, as virtuous, and then on the flip side, when you start trying to carry out that virtue, on the other hand, it becomes vicious as everybody yells at you saying, well, it's all about you, isn't it? Our sinful nature, though, relishes the deception that self-assuredness and self-absorption is, is the ultimate answer to all that ails us. And that's the narrow path that's going to lead us to lasting glory. Just stay focused on you and all will be fine. These deceptions are reinforced in 
in various and numerous ways by an exposure to, to, to the prominent and to the popular of our society. And often by marketers who like to tap into our desires of self-satisfaction. Impotence, or I should say not impotence, but impenitence, loves to take this route of self-righteousness. The impenitent life loves it. Scripture tells us that we deceive ourselves when we confess that we are without sin. But yet that is often the counsel given and the counsel received. We are not responsible. We are innocent victims. We are passive, passive, passive uh, recipients of forces outside of our control. Or people who have, we're people that have no one to blame but others. And by nature we can, we can be morally like those who have left the train station by train, but think that the train station in, in, in actuality has left them. That those who have left the harbor by boat believe that the dock has left them behind. By nature, we can be so convinced of our own innocence by our own self-examination that we, we cannot bring ourselves to admit our wrong. So much trusting are we that we are always in the right. That's, that's the natural way to go about things. But that's not the formula of faith in the church of Jesus Christ, is it? In a world that, that bombards us with gospel of self-belief. The confession of the Christ, or, and the confession of the church that way, is a 180 degree reversal. Because it is focused not on the, the righteousness of self, it is focused on the righteousness of Christ. For even the, the faith that is professed in the church of Jesus Christ is a, is a faith that has her members confess that it's not of themselves, but rather the gift of God, and, and the power of which is only efficacious when it's focused not on itself, but on the God who saves in Jesus Christ her only righteousness. This evening we focus on a, our profession as a church of Jesus Christ as our sufficient Savior, a, a profession that's graciously given, properly focused, abundantly beneficial. It's a profession that's graciously given. Whether we're speaking from the scriptures or whether we are considering our confession of those scriptures, faith is viewed as in the realm of grace. That which God provides. It is opposite of works. We are saved not by our works. We're saved uh, through faith in Christ. In our passage we read that those who believe that Jesus is the Christ are born of God. Everyone, in fact, who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now it's not that because you believe in Jesus Christ that you become a person who is born again. 
but rather that believing in Jesus as the Christ is a result of a person who has been born of God. It'd be similar to what we hear in Ephesians 2, that by grace we're saved through faith, and this not of ourselves. That is, the faith. It's a gift of God. The salvation we know is of grace. But so's the faith. So's the faith. I mean, we even we confess that, that thought. We confessed it just a, a, a moment ago that we believe to attain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts an upright faith. We don't kindle that. He does. We're born of Him. It's a gift of God. The salvation we know is of great, to be sure. But so is the faith. Considering that apart from that grace, we would be found dead in our trespasses and sins. This is, this is the reason why we make the confession. We believe that to attain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts an upright faith which embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits. Being born of God is something that God provides by way of the Holy Spirit. We cannot say Jesus is Lord apart from his Holy Spirit. Jesus would speak in John 3 of the necessity of being born again, of being born from above, and spoke of it as being born of the Spirit. It's part of what makes us different from the world when we make our confession and our profession of Christ. We're not different because we're so wonderful. We don't come to worship because <laughs> what's the point of that, right? Why do we come to worship someone else if we're the one that's going to take the credit. We might as well stay home and worship ourselves. We're different not because we're so wonderful. We're different because of the wonderful grace of God <coughs> to grant to us by way of his spirit a new birth so that we might make the good confession of Jesus Christ. There's the Father. There's the Son. There's the Holy Spirit. We come to worship the triune God. While the world wants to make a profession about how great people are, the church is making the confession about how great God is. To this extent, even the faith that we profess doesn't come from within, but from God and His grace. You see, there's no place for for bragging, is there? There's no place for boasting. There's no place for the spotlight to come upon ourselves. But see, that's, that's part of what the true gospel is all about in the first place. Because it's not about boasting in ourselves in any shape, form, decree, uh, degree. It's about boasting in the greatness and goodness of God. We do this a couple hours here, formally and corporately, and we do that in all the life to which the Lord has called us, in all the different ways, <clears throat> boasting in the greatness and goodness of God. He gives to us the gift of faith so we can confess Christ, the Savior and Lord, 
the true Son of God and be part of his family as one who's born of God. And that, that reality is so countercultural. When people talk about wanting to get real, that's real. The culture's fake. The gospel's real. Because the gospel is so self-abasing and it's so humbling and, and it's so selfless. In its focus. And, and it is so God-focusing in its boasting. And that's not the culture. You know, just like I cannot say that, that I belong to the Jones family by blood in that natural way when I was not born into it by the Jones, right? We can be adopted. We've seen that. You know, we see that even in our own fellowship. That's true. But, but in that sense of belonging by blood, when I wasn't born into it, so also I cannot say that I belong to the family of God spiritually unless I was born into it by the gracious work of God, right? We, none of us came into this world bearing ourselves. And none of us come into this family of God bearing ourselves. The gospel is not, the gospel is not in that sense, be born again, because that's a passive thing that happens to us. That's something the Spirit of God does. The gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. But the reason we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved is because God bears us anew by His Spirit and we're born of God. So part of my Christian faith is that I believe that my faith is a gift. And that's true for everybody who makes that true confession. And that's what bonds us together. And that's what the apostle speaks of here also, isn't it? It's why he would also say that everybody who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By grace, we're all part of the same spiritual family whose faith doesn't stem from within but from on high, you know, through the Spirit of God and His Christ at work in my life. That's what we have in common. That's something we can rejoice together about. That's why that's part of the reason we gather together like we do. Right? Most of the time we're spent out somewhere else. But this is the, the few times during the week and during the year that we get to formally come together and, and share that bond that we have one with another as we together worship our, Lo our Lord and our God. But we're all part of that same family because faith comes not because we're so wonderful, but the wonderful grace of God is ours to know. It's also a profession that's properly focused. You notice that our profession mentions that we're just that we justly say with Paul that we are justified by faith alone or faith apart from works. But we do not mean that faith itself justifies us, for it's only an instrument with which we embrace Christ our righteousness. Because just as we've been 
have to be careful that we do not boast that we are the origin of our faith. We also have to be careful that we don't misunderstand what we mean by faith or what the role of faith is because, again, otherwise what we'll find ourselves doing is shifting our attention away from Christ and putting it back on us, which is what there's always this, this temptation to do that, to make it all about me. That's not the gospel. Self is where the world wants gospel to be focused, but that is not where the church is called to find its gospel. There are plenty of people, for instance, who make faith to be the ultimate reason for one's justification. Jesus makes it possible for people to be justified, but we are the ones who make it happen by our faith. But, but that's completely contrary to what we read in passages like what the one we read this evening. Faith doesn't justify anybody. Neither is Christ a possible justifier of his people or of people. Christ is not a possible savior because then he's no actual savior at all. If you have Christ, you have life. Says John, says the apostle. If you don't have Christ, you don't have life. If we make our faith the justifier, then we have shifted the attention again away from God and his Christ, and we put it on ourselves. Jesus then could not do it all. Something had to be added, namely my faith. However, faith is but an instrument that God gives to us so that the righteousness that is only in Christ can be credited to our account. That's what the word imputation means. That it's credited to our account. Faith doesn't justify us any more than a child's hand earned the quarter that was received from one's father who earned it at his work. Catch that, right? That the child's hand, faith doesn't justify us any more than a child's hand earns the quarter that was received from his father who earned it at his work. Faith is but the instrument given by God so that we might receive the righteousness earned by Christ alone. See, to God be the glory for Christ and not to me for my faith. There's always temptation to steer clear from Christ's righteousness. And a lot of times that's a pride thing. We talked about all that, that a little bit in our catechism class this morning. Uh, it's, there's always this temptation to, to take some of the credit, to steer clear of Christ's glory, His righteousness as the only ground for our salvation. Some would steer completely out of the way of Christ in the name of self-righteousness. I don't need Christ. I can do just fine in my life. Leave me alone. Others would say, well, yeah, we need faith to be saved in Christ, but, but I look at faith as, as that which is the means by which we're, we're able to do the good that we need to do that will ultimately justify us in the end. So it becomes my faith and it becomes my merit. It becomes my work. Or to say it in another way, 
we're justified by our sanctification. Then there's others who would say that works are, are what maintain our justification, that our justification is conditioned by our sanctification. We're, we're always tempted, you see, in some form or another, to make it come back to us. Whether it's looking at our justification as secured in our faith with Jesus only making it possible, or whether it's looking at our justification as a combination of our faith and works, or a matter of total self-righteousness, or justification that's conditioned on our sanctification, we're always tempted to want to at least, at least take a little bit about of the credit for ourselves. Because by nature, we really want it to be all about us. That's our, that's our sinful nature. We want it to be about us. We want the world to revolve around us. But justification, as is life, is all about God. And is Christ. The passage speaks about a triple testimony. It's the testimony about Christ through his earthly ministry that began at, the, at his baptism, the water. And an earthly ministry that concluded through, through the cross, the blood. And the testimony of the Spirit at Pentecost, which Jesus promised in John 15, 26, I'll send the Spirit of truth who will testify about me. That's the triple testimony, a testimony that continues to declare, not me, not you, but what God has done. This is the testimony, says Jesus, says the apostle. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. That's a testimony about God as Christ. That is not a testimony about me or you. Those who have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son do not have life. That's it. It isn't a testimony about you, me, or, or any other sinful human. And for any to assert that Christ is not sufficient, not our all in all, but that something more is required besides Him, well, our, our confession says that would be too gross a blasphemy. Because hence it would follow that Christ was but half a Savior. But half a Savior, no, no Savior at all. You cannot make half a whole. Our faith is to be securely focused in, its, in the triple testimony that points to the righteousness of Christ alone. For with our faith and our lives, the true gospel is not about us. It's about what Christ has done for us. And when we see our faith, when we see that our faith is graciously given, and when it's properly focused, then we can see the abundant benefits of that kind of a profession in Christ. We see that Christ is our righteousness where his merits are accounted to us more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. We hear in the passage that with such a profession that is directed to Christ, you see we have this faith that overcomes the world. 
Jesus would say to us to take heart that in this world you may have trouble and part of that trouble is going to be a culture that is going to say to you, life is about you. And then flip right around and tell you, what? What's wrong with you? Is life all about you? Throw it away. Take heart. I've overcome that world. Because that attention is no longer on me, the loser, but on Christ, the victor. What does that mean for us? It means that we have Christ through faith. We have eternal life. It means that we've been given power over worldliness. We've been transformed. We don't have to take that cultural bait anymore. So we can be obedient in love for our gracious God and for others who share in this grace with us. And, and then it's no longer about us, is it? It reminds us that nothing in all creation can, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We once knew death, now we know life. That's the confession of the, of the, of the Christian. We were once powerless to love God and his people, and that's not the truth anymore. It used to be that the only gospel that we knew in slavery and the only gospel that we would follow is one that's all about me. It's all about what I want, it's all about what I want to do, and the universe revolves around me. And we get, we go out in the world, and we see that again. We encounter it. But when I'm renewed, I'm reborn to know that I don't look at Christ according to the flesh anymore. I don't look at myself according to the flesh anymore. I learn again, I learn now that, that life's about Christ. My justification's about Christ. But my life's about Christ, who has overcome the world for me, through whom I can now do all things through his strength. That's a great, that's a good, that's a great way to live. And that's the gospel that we need, and that's the gospel that the world needs. Not a gospel of a faith that's that's focused on self. But a gospel and a faith that's focused on a sufficient Savior sent by God the Father, whom by God's Spirit we believe. The attention is where it deserves to be. Where we were born to place it. In the triune God. It may be a faith that goes against the grain of our culture and they look at us squirrely that way. What? You're not trying to live for yourself? No, it might go against the grain of our culture, but when our faith is focused on what God has done for us in Christ rather than on ourselves, that's when we're really not losers. That's, that's when our, we know victory. It's a victory, as we heard this morning as well, that only Christ can give. So we can go out and take the cultural approach 
Or we can ask ourselves today, well, you know, I've got a different place where I want my focus. The focus of my faith, I pray that it's on Christ, the sufficient Savior. As he's overcome the world, and he's overcome that self-absorbed monster that I would otherwise be. And he's given me the victory over that so that my focus is where it should have been all the time. On the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we ask that your word that we've received may have its benefit to us. We live in a world that where we're always tempted to make it all about ourselves. And you've called us to make it all about you and your son and your spirit. And we get reminded of that again today because everybody who believes in Jesus Christ is focusing on you and your son and only by the power of your spirit. So may our focus, Lord, be on our triune God. May our focus be on Christ as we consider how we're justified, but also how we are to live. We ask this in Christ's name.